The thing that makes me most frustrated in general is that there is a lack of nutrition education for young people. And I had never thought about what I put into my body and how it impacted me. And I learned around 16 how if I'm a runner, I should be eating more than Taco Bell. And no one had ever told me that. It was just about taste and convenience and... This is the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions Podcast, and I'm your host, Maya Acosta. If you're willing to go with me, together we can discover how simple lifestyle choices can help improve our quality of life. Let's get started. Are you looking for a way to eat healthier without breaking the bank? Join me as I welcome Tony Okamoto, the founder of Plant Based on a Budget. Tony has made it her mission to teach people how to save money and time while eating plant-based foods. In this episode, you'll learn about Tony's journey to a healthier lifestyle and how she turned her passion into a successful business. So sit back, grab a notebook, and be ready to take some notes on how to eat healthy on a budget. As always, the full bio and the links for each of my guests can be found on the website, healthylifestylesolutions.org. Let's meet Tony. Uh, on the show, we've been talking about ways that you can incorporate more plant-based foods into your life. And we have an expert who actually has really made it her her mission in life to teach us about how to really manage and budget our time and our money. And so I have Tony Okamoto here. Welcome, Tony. Hi, Maya. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you today. I'm excited to have you. You're the founder of Plant Based on a Budget, the popular website and the meal plan that shows people how to save um, dough money um, by eating veggies. And you're also the author of Plant Based on a Budget Cookbook. You're the host of the Plan Powered People podcast. Your work has also been profiled on NPR, NBC News, um, Parade Magazine, and you are a, you have a regular presence on local and national morning shows across the country. Oh my goodness, this is incredible. Uh, you teach viewers how to break their meat habit without breaking their budget. You've also been featured in the popular documentary, What the Health, which I was able to watch. This is amazing. And you talk about how your presence on What the Health is would change everything for you and really put mm -hmm. you on the map and probably launched you into being an influencer. Is that right? It is. It's, it's part of the journey. I've been doing this for quite some time now. So today, along with learning a little bit more about you, we are going to talk about your new book that's launching next month. And it's plant-based on a budget, quick and easy. And you can see that I've gone through the book and I have my favorite recipes already. That is <laughs> my favorite. I love that so much. I love all of this. And I'm just going to kind of share a little bit about myself and why it's meaningful that you're here today. Um, because there's so much that I feel I can relate when it comes to your history. But uh, I, I went vegan. I am an ethical vegan. I went vegan in 2016 and I was lost, Tony. And often I tell my listeners about this, about I didn't know where to start. I needed plant-based on a budget and the quick and easy. I was traveling a lot. I know that you enjoy traveling as well. And I gravitated towards the processed foods and I gained weight. Um, and no shame on any, uh, you know, uh, of these things. What I'm saying is I promote plant-based nutrition because of health, because my, my husband, um, treats a lot of advanced diseases. And so 
your story starts in 2012. You're also an ethical vegan. So tell us how you took this activism of yours and launched it into a business where you're actually supporting people on making healthier choices. Thank you. Well, it started even before then. The thing that makes me most frustrated in general is that there is a lack of nutrition education for young people. And I had never thought about what I put into my body and how it impacted me. And I learned around 16 how if I'm a runner, I should be eating more than Taco Bell. And no one had ever told me that. It was just about taste and convenience and um, filling my tummy. So uh, I first learned about it through my coach. He said, why don't you quit eating so much Taco Bell? Why don't you stop eating so much red meat? And it took me about six years to become vegan. And I tried it on my own. My family didn't really support me. They thought, how did this happen to me? How did we get this hippy-dippy little girl in our lives? What did God do to forsake us? Because they love their meat. Uh, And so I was out there on my own trying it out. uh, And it wasn't until I was able to move and feed myself, support myself, and join a college vegetarian club that I learned about animal ethics. And my professor at the time, she was teaching intro to ethics and gave a portion, one third portion of her class was animal ethics and gave extra credit for going to this veg club and talking. I went to this, this club, found my people. They taught me all of these things that I just couldn't believe. We went to farm animal sanctuaries and it impacted me so much that I changed my life forever. It was an imperfect and long process for me, but one that has been progressive long-term. When you talk about how it was your coach who sort of started you on that path, I wonder if you've ever gone back and reached out to that to that coach and said thank you or shared where you are today. I wish I could. I wish I could. I don't even remember his name. Mm. It's such a beautiful thing because you never know how the words you tell a stranger or someone you only know for a short period of time are going to impact them. So it's such an important reminder to be positive and uplifting, even if you're having a a transaction at the grocery store. It's a reminder that we can plant seeds this way without, yes. you know, in a gentle way without being judgmental or shutting people out from the whole idea. It's just, I can teach you how to make a simple salad if you'd like. I'll make it with you or something like that. And so I, I'm just fascinated by your story because I've heard you talk about, you know, having had this upbringing with a lot of limitations um, and also having you more identify more with your Mexican side of the family. Um, and so I want to talk a little bit about that. We talk about food insecurity here on the podcast. We talk about healthcare equity and what all of that means and what you have here in, ter- in terms of your meal plan program and your recipes and your blog is really offering resources for people who may have those limitations. So tell us a little bit about that driving force of coming from lack, which I too, um, we migrated from Mexico. So as a young immigrant family of six, I remember those days where um, we would be standing in the grocery line 
and having to put back some of the food because we couldn't afford it. Um, or just for us, eating out was a treat. Remember back in the day? <laughs> well, you're younger than myself, but back in the day, going out to eat for pizza, whatever, was a huge treat. Dad would make almost everything at home. So our pizzas we would make at home, our, our um, burgers and all of that. But um, tell us a little bit about that upbringing. I was uh, born to young parents. My They were teenagers when I was born. And my dad immediately went to the Navy. And I lived with my grandparents. My grandma's full Mexican and my grandpa's full Japanese. And they raised me until I was 11. And it was a really interesting experience because they were retired. My grandpa was a truck driver. And my grandma did odd jobs. She was a, a picker. She... Um, cleaned uh, facilities. And by the time I was born, my, they had my parents much later in life. So they were already in their 60s um, when they were raising me. I got full-time care and I got to experience them doing their passions. My grandpa was a uh, part of the Japanese Central Valley group of farmers. And so he grew a lot of our food and I ate amazingly. It was so nice to grow up around fresh food. And my grandma would take what he made and cook from scratch these delicious multicultural meals, both Japanese and Mexican. So I had a really good first experience, first like of my formative years experience with food. But then my dad came home and I was 11 when I moved in with him and he did not know how to cook. So we lived the bachelor life and ate things like chili and hot dogs and hamburger helper and frozen pasta and things like that. And I began to think that was normal and really forget about that early childhood experience I had with food. And um, early on, as you said, it was a treat to go out to eat. We never ate out. Even going to Burger King and getting a Big Mac was a big deal. Uh, so it, that was not my experience. But when I moved in with my dad, he was a single father and very extremely busy. We relied on a lot of shortcuts with food. And I think back on it now, wondering what would be different if the educational portion were there up front, because my family later on suffered pretty severe consequences. I know your mom has uh, type 2 diabetes, and my dad's sister died prematurely from type 2 diabetes. And before that suffered extremely, she had multiple amputations. And um, it's just, it's really harsh stuff. So I I hold that in my heart that if if people were taught at an earlier age the consequences of the foods that they were eating being eaten so frequently, would things be different? And I think they would. And I think that's the key. And I love that you're saying that nutrition education is key. That's the best way to put it. They, it, it removes all the judgment and everything else when it comes to our cultures. And um, the more that I hear you share your upbringing, the more confident I get in telling my story over time, because, you know, I come from poverty, my grandfather, the way my parents 
my grandparents met as my grandfather was a picker you know, a cotton picker. So he'd come from Mexico to Arizona and pick cotton. And he met my grandmother who was from California. They had two children, long story. My grandfather took his children back to Mexico and I was born there. Um, And then my parents, my mother wanted to come back and meet her American side of the family. And I remember my parents were, I guess, fairly healthy. They were young. And by coming here, it feels like you have so much access when you come from a place like in that time, Mexico, that where there was so much limitation. So my father always kind of had to have his steak every single night, every single night. And it was in my 20s when I took a nutrition course that I learned about a little bit about nutrition. And I stopped eating meat like you at a very young age. And I sort of challenged the the culture that I was raised in. And so I was worried right away. Um, the more that I learned that my parents would have diabetes. So I asked them both to get screened. And sure enough, they had diabetes. And I never went into the field of nutrition. I just was teaching myself self-taught like you. So that's why I, I love that you're highlighting this nutrition information aspect of it all. Because the more that we learn, the more that we can help ourselves, and then we can help others as well. I think that's a beautiful story. And also that you were able to convince them shows that they have a lot of trust in you because I know that it's tough to feel challenged in your food choices. And even when you express concern about someone's eating, it can make them defensive. So it's, it shows a lot of trust that they had with you to move forward on that. And I think the healthcare system, uh, that is another barrier. I lived without healthcare for a really long time and when you don't know and you're afraid to go because of the cost, you your body does what it, it just it can continue down a, a terrible path and harm you later down the line. And and so I feel like there's a a big sense of fear mm-hmm. and a lack of education in that space too about the free resources available or the low cost resources available to people who are in need. Mm -hmm. And so as we're learning more about plant-based on a budget, tell us how that all came about. How did you figure out everything from like, you know, that you knew that you wanted to write cookbooks to your meal plans? Um, And did you receive any kind of formal training in terms of nutrition? How did you make all of this happen? I did not know that this was my path. I never, ever expected. And you mentioned early on that I came from an activist standpoint, and that is the truth. I was a vegan. I really, really felt that animals were suffering and I wanted to help them as much as I could. I was working for, um, I started really focusing on plant-based on a budget while I was working for an animal sanctuary and it inspired me to help people. I did their tours and talked to people on a regular basis and it was something that came up often. And then of course my family was a big inspiration. Um, My uncle had a heart attack at 40. My grandpa who helped raise me died in complications in a bypass surgery and it's devastating. So I started compiling all of our family recipes and 
putting them onto the website. I wanted to make sure that people didn't have to go to specialty stores. My family shops at Walmart. A lot of the people in my audience now shop at Walmart. And I wanted to let them know that they didn't have to leave the grocery store that they were currently at to find healthy food. There were options that you can get at the places that you currently shop. So I was trying to remove as many barriers. And it wasn't until I was really getting started uh, pushing out recipes on plant-based on a budget that I realized that that's not always the need. People need help pairing recipes together so that when they're grocery shopping, they have ingredients that go into two different recipes and you don't have to buy completely separate ingredients. Like if you're buying pasta and sauce and vegetables, um, making sure that there's some overlap that you could use those same vegetables that you have left over in a soup or something like that instead of two completely different things that you don't use all of and now you have excess and you spent more money than you needed. So that's how I started meal planning because I, I heard from a frustrated group of people who were like, yeah, I love these recipes. They're good, but I still don't know how to put a meal plan together. And I used the snap challenge, which was popular at the time as the inspiration. I looked to see what the budget at that time was for people who received maximum SNAP benefits. Um, SNAP is um, also known as, um, was once known as food food stamps. Uh, But by the time I started, it was called SNAP. And I saw that it was $180 per person if you're receiving max benefits. And I worked around that. And instead, I made it $100 for the month instead of $180 so that people could also, in addition to this very basic meal plan, buy the things that they wanted and fill fill in the plan with um, more spices or more vegetables and uh, make it their own. And actually with the Plant-Based on a Budget Quick and Easy Cookbook, if you have it, you'll see that I leave the same room for people to make my recipes their own. I put in a space so that you can write in what your family likes and how you swapped ingredients out to make it more affordable where you live. And what you're talking about is a system, setting up a system that works. We're having to learn how to go back into the kitchen and then just the basics of cooking and your meal plan, of course. That is like perfectly summed up. People are learning now. And I I think that that is why plant-based on a budget caught on early, uh, like it, how it got its early traction is because I was a home cook who taught myself. I did not have any formal training. And I, while I was in the midst of learning how to chop an onion, dice an onion, mince an onion, I was like, okay, I figured it out. Here's how I did it. And uh, people still come to me and ask me very basic cooking questions. And I remember how I started and I have a lot of compassion and patience to walk people through those basic skills because they're not taught. And if you came from a family or lived in a certain generation that relied mostly on um, canned produce or frozen produce, uh, you don't you don't know how to prepare them in a way that's tasty. And even me, I had a hard time going from boiled broccoli to steamed broccoli because I just thought, 
that's how you do it. You just boil it. And I think that that's why people have a distaste for some vegetables is because they're they're not properly cooked. Exactly. And I remember, uh, it's so funny that today I love spinach because I prepare it at home as opposed to say the food that you would eat, the spinach that you would have in the cafeteria, for example, growing up in public school. And so I love it. I love the whole idea of coming back to the kitchen um, and learning how to create in the kitchen. And you made this your living. I mean, this is what you do uh, and I remember my husband was the one that told me about you initially, because like I said, when I first got on board, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. And then a year into my whole way of eating vegan, I said to him, I don't think I'm doing this right. I, I'm not eating enough vegetables. I'm not eating enough greens. And then at some point he said, you know, there's this girl and she goes by plant-based on a budget. And <laughs> so he was very active on Facebook. So he learned about you and told me about you. And then, yeah, and suddenly I see there, there are all these resources that you're offering that were very needed. Um, when did your first book come out? My first book came out. Okay, so I have, um, this is my fourth book. My first book was a very different experience. It was a publisher approached me. I had a very tiny following at the at the time. I was just, it was maybe my first month of doing it full time. And I was in a lot of debt with no income. And they offered me a small, tiny little writer's fee, a little tiny fee and a lot of work, but I was desperate and I needed money. So I wrote the book and I don't regret it. I think it was a good stepping stone, um, but it wasn't the book of my that lived in me. Then in 2019, so that was 2017. Then in 2019, I came out with Plant Based on a Budget. And that's the first one. And that one focused on really, really simple things you can do from scratch. It was all about saving the most money. Then I came out with a book called The Friendly Vegan Cookbook with a friend of mine. And that is if you're having people over who are naysayers to plant-based food, these are good things to feed them. And then finally, I'm coming out with plant-based on a budget, quick and easy. And this one is mostly around time because when I wrote plant-based on a budget, the cookbook, I had no money. I, I was in a lot of debt and was trying to work my way out of debt. And uh, I had the time to cook everything from scratch, do my bread from scratch, do all the things. But now I feel like I can spend a little bit extra and have less time. So these, this is an in-between, still very conscious of how much money we spend on our food and also very, very conscious of what I believe is our most valuable asset, and that is time. Absolutely. I'm so glad that you touch on that because I myself have had to figure out how to juggle things. I, I mean, I work from home. I'm here all the time, but... I also stay pretty busy. So I've had to figure out like, take a break, go and prepare rice or set up, you know, um, yes, an Instapot yeah. with some beans. And so I've had to learn how to plan. But that came with time with learning, learning what works and and managing like what foods I can prepare with that pot of beans for the rest of the week, for example. Um, and I am a former couponer as well. So <laughs> I used That's to what's up. really I love plan. Yeah. 
So tell us about some of those things that we can do when it comes to how valuable time is. What can we do to really plan? I, well, one, I love that you're a couponer. I used to be really embarrassed about coupons and actually what you said earlier about having a little bit of embarrassment that your family is putting food back at the grocery store. Uh, I know those things really well. And I think that one of the biggest things about saving money is the mindset and having a shift to being confident and creating a budget. And if something is outside of your budget, that's okay. And you have to do what you have to do with your family. My dad always used to say when I was like, dad, you're embarrassing me, please. Like, don't make the the cashier go and check the price. And there's like the line 10 deep. Uh, and he was like, you know, these people don't pay my bills. I have bills to pay and I have to save that money. So um, just getting into that mindset is the first step to being plant-based on a budget. And doing what you have to do with confidence and without embarrassment uh, for your family to thrive. And in terms of time, it's my favorite thing to talk about, but meal planning. Meal planning really takes you far. And having some foresight like you did uh, with specifically the work week is amazing. I used to work somewhere that was an hour and a half commute each way. And I knew if I didn't have anything at home to eat, I was going to be making impulsive decisions, stopping at a place that wasn't the healthiest, wasn't the cheapest. And even if I had perfectly good food at home, if I didn't have a plan for that perfectly good food, I had dried beans, I had dried rice, but it's not cooked, I wasn't going to use it. So uh, I know that meal planning takes you very far and saving both time and money. And there are several ways to do this. I rely a lot on mix and match bowls. I have a whole section on my cookbook on mix and match bowls where I will just do a pot of brown rice. You can cook it on the stove in um, 40 minutes, or you can do it in the instant pot in 20 minutes. And I'll cook a big batch of that and use that throughout the week with uh, different meals in mind. Um, you can do a bowl with a protein. You can get a can of uh, low sodium or no sodium beans, put that on there and some vegetables. Um, you can even get some frozen vegetables if you're really strapped on time that are pre-cut, pre-washed and mixed. So you can quickly um, steam those or saute those however you want to, and then get a store-bought sauce or make your own sauce. Those are the types of meals that I really like. But if those aren't the types of meals you like, you can take that same brown rice and make a burrito with a whole wheat tortilla and some salsa and some avocado and a can of no sodium beans. You can also make a a, a stir fry. It's one pot that is so versatile. Yeah, because many people eat out. And especially at work, you know, with your coworkers or you dine after, you're used to having a lot more variety when you go out to eat. And that's where our money goes, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And it's nice that you are able to know at this point in your journey, you said when you started, you didn't feel like you had the knowledge to play with your food. And it sounds like now, you know, uh, through ex- just 
life experience of using it hands hands on, uh, you know how to make different meals with these ingredients that you stocked up on. Exactly. I just wanted to show one page. I'm not going to give away the recipe, but you have sopa de fideo, which is mm. something I grew up with. Um, and I think I've only made it once for my husband, but that was before we went vegan. So <laughs> I'm going to have to try it this way. Um, but it's so nice that you bring some of these uh, recipes into the cookbook for, you know, people that pr probably have never had anything like that. And then um, you have like a potato leek soup, which is perfect for the cold weather right now. And I, it's a variety of different things that you have in this recipe book that I love. And the mix and match bowls are one of my favorite approaches to, um, to being healthy uh, in terms of not relying so much on a recipe, but understanding how to combine your food so that it tastes delicious. I remember, so the, this is a question about traveling. I remember when I first went vegan, like I said, I wasn't prepared and I was starving. Uh, between <laughs> flights. And I just was like, I can't go another hour without eating. And I was about to board a flight. And so I grabbed a cupcake or muffin, knowing it had dairy in it. And uh, Tony, you can imagine as us being ethical vegans. And then plus, it wasn't just the it wasn't the healthiest choice, period. I almost cried, because I had to eat a muffin. Um, and I said to myself at that time, I will never be in a position in a position ever again where I'm at the mercy because I didn't plan. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering when you travel, because I've been talking with my listeners about all these things, but when you travel, what is easy for you? What's doable? And do you have a carry on with food? <laughs> uh, actually, I have a funny story because I'm, I'm traveling right now as Maya knows. And first of all, I want to say, I really appreciate your vulnerability sharing your imperfections. I feel like more people who are vegan or plant-based should do that because it helps other people who are in the same position feel like that's okay. And I also feel like it helps people know that the next meal can go back to being a plant-based meal. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. And it, it just gives people permission. So thank you for doing that. Uh, and then the second thing is I'm, I'm, I'm going on a trip. It's a long overdue four years late honeymoon with my husband. And he is also um, vegan, but he's really strict about being plant-based, he tries not to eat any oil or salt or, or sugar. And we are going to a different country. And he called them and asked for a refrigerator in the room and told them that he needed to bring medicines because that's why he, because they, they said, well, we don't really give refrigerators in the room. And so anyway, we got a refrigerator in our room for snacks and tofu. Uh, so we're bringing a, a bit, a lot of snacks. I uh, will be there for a few days and I'm looking over. I can see some nuts. We brought some hummus um, in little containers so that they can go through TSA because we don't uh, check a bag. Uh, then we brought some, uh, I brought some Sumo Citrus oranges that I'm planning to eat at the airport. Uh, and other things that I really like are 
uh, a sandwich. That's a little bit heartier and I'll stuff a lot of vegetables in there and you can either do some tempeh or um, thin sliced tofu or tofurkey or something like that. And that I feel like is easy to travel with. You can toss the tin foil when you're, when you're done with it and it's hearty and it has vegetables in it. So you don't have to go and buy a $15 sandwich at the, at the airport. So those are some of the things that we travel with. But yes, to answer your question, we definitely bring food. Okay. Oh, my gosh. And I'm telling you, if you are worried about spending money, that's where you're going to spend the money is in the airport. Yes. I yes. I remember when we we were leaving the most recent Lifestyle Medicine Conference in Orlando, uh, we decided to eat at the airport. We sh- I should have just planned better. Again, you know, you learn as you go. It's the best of us. So I know. So we learned they have a vegan pizza, um, kind of fairly clean, not too bad. And so as we're eating the pizza, my husband says, do you want to know how much this pizza costs? <laughs> and it whispered, I'm almost afraid to ask. He said it was $45. <gasps> oh, my God. $45. That is a lot. That is and a lot. that, you know, a lot of times when we think about eating healthy, you hear that it's too expensive to eat plant-based but it's because we're it's so normalized to eat out everywhere else um and spend that money. So if we go out to dinner with friends and we spend thirty dollars each, it's okay. We don't think much about it. Um and then we decide to eat healthy and suddenly it seems like it's a lot. But it, what you're saying is like um we can buy those groceries and then just learn how to move them from one meal to another so that we're not reinventing or creating new meals every single time. I remember when I did the math on fast food because it's something that I I was hearing often. You know, it's it's so inexpensive when you're eating off the dollar menu and you have all these calories. And uh, but then I and so I sat down thinking, what would a family eat? And I personally could eat three things off of the dollar menu in one sitting. It's sometimes your burritos like this big, uh, and yeah. I and so if you're eating, if I'm eating three things off of the dollar menu, it's $3. Whereas if I'm meal planning, I can get my meal, my servings down to about 150 even taking into food prices right now. If you're eating whole foods and being thoughtful about what you're buying and looking for the most affordable things, it does take effort. I, do, I will say that. But if you are strapped for money and you want to eat healthy, it is possible. And I've done videos on on this at Walmart, at Dollar Tree, at other small stores that may be found in um, neighborhoods that don't have great access. So it does take work, but it is possible and you can get it much cheaper than if you were eating fast food. Very true. So Tony, I thought we would do some kind of rapid fire questions, just uh, fun questions to lighten things up and get to know you a little bit. What do you okay, think? Okay, that sounds very fun. Okay, so I I have an entire list, but I'm only going to pick a couple of them. But um, okay. okay, so one of them was because we are talking about budgeting, but we're also talking about things in the kitchen. And I'm I love gadgets. I know not everyone cares for them. Um, not everybody can afford them, but that that's what makes me feel like I'm an artist <laughs> in the in the kitchen. But uh, so my question is. If you were given a thousand dollars to spend on a closest friend's kitchen or to simplify the whole cooking process, what would you get them? Okay, I'd start with an instant pot. 
That's another great way of saving money, by the way, when you're traveling. If you're on a road trip, pack your Instant Pot. So Instant Pot, um, a pan set so that they have lids and different sizes of pans, a knife set so that they're going and able to um, cut safely and quickly with their knives, and an air fryer so that they can lessen their oil intake. Yeah, I I like the knife set too. And you know what I have found too, Tony, when I travel, um, cutting boards are so difficult to have. So I finally bought just a tiny little wooden cutting board because some of the hotels, well, if you stay like at a kitchenette or something like that, Airbnb, sometimes they have the the glass ones because I guess cross contamination. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and so I, I've had to use plates. It's been crazy in the past. So now I have a little <laughs> cutting board that I travel with. <laughs> Just I made love my life that. easier. So you're talent. You're very talented. Uh, so you're a blogger. You have a YouTube channel. You're a podcaster. You're a writer. You do so much. What would you consider yourself an expert at? Which of those would you say this is what I'm an expert at? Uh, is it limited to that the, the list? Oh no! Please. Add. Oh, okay. I I have a very practiced skill of being non-judgmental. It's taken me a long time, but I really try to understand that people don't have excuses. They have valid concerns and obstacles. And I, I have practiced for a very long time how to be understanding and patient with people. Mm, I love that. I think that is so important. Um, for people to hear because a lot of times if we're not perfect, especially as plant-based eaters, we, we're even afraid to be seen or judged by mm-hmm. our peers. Um, mm-hmm. That is so important. So I know that at least on my end, I have to be very organized. I My studio has to be organized. My workspace has to be organized. But there's always that one thing that we have in front of us that motivates us. Do you have anything like that? I live for the people who reach out to me and say that they've used my recipes. It makes me so happy and it makes me focused and inspired. Sometimes, as you know, it can be really a sometimes lonely journey and frustrating and algorithms are always changing. But the thing that stays constant is that there's going to be someone benefiting from this information. And What's beautiful about that is once they change, it can be generational changes. Uh, the mom can in- influence their child to eat healthier and then their children eat healthier. And it's it like gives me chills thinking about. Yeah. <laughs> Same here. It's just it's such a beautiful thing that you can increase or improve the health of the loved ones in your family. Yeah. Yeah. So you were in the documentary, like we said, what the health. So now everyone's going to have to go watch it if they haven't seen it. Um, if you were to be, uh, if, if a documentary was to be made about you, which actress would you want to play you? I would want Jessica Alba. I really like oh, her. I follow her yes. on Instagram and she's just so radiant and she's into more natural living and, uh, she just seems so down to earth despite her fame. So I'm going to go with yeah. Jessica Alba. I love that. I love that. You, because you have such a fascinating story of, you know, having limitations to now creating such a successful business and, and really one that, um, is mission driven in many ways that you're changing lives. It's not just about having a business, but it's about creating uh, a support system 
for people that need it. Um, is there a book tour? So I heard you say, by the way, that when your Plant Based on a Budget book was released, you were going to do like a second leg of the tour and then the pandemic shut it down. How's this one going, the book release for this book? Are you going to do a tour? I'm going to do a few. I'm going to go to a few places. So I am going to be in San Francisco uh, on March 4th which is a few days before my book comes out. And I am still in the planning of other places, but that's the one that is the go-to. And I'll be in um, New York for a book signing at The Strand. That's where I'm doing my pre-orders. Yay. How fun. Okay, Tony, uh, I guess I'm going to make this a two-part question. Do you love to watch like cooking competitions, cooking shows on television, in general. And if you were able to be in one of those competitions, who would you want to compete with? Oh, I do. I used to love the ones that had um, uh, chopped. It's like they give you random Mm -hmm. ingredients. Yeah, that one is so fun. I would want a vegan version, of course. But uh, I, uh, if I had to compete against someone, I would say my friend, Carly from Plant You. Um, if you don't follow her on Instagram, she's got really amazing content, but she would be so fun to compete against. One, she's really supportive and collaborative. So I bet you it wouldn't be like a mean spirited competition where like in your face, it would be more like, oh, that's what you should try that one. Do that one over there grab that one. <laughs> so it would be like very supportive and collaborative in competition, which I like. Yeah, They're, they could still be fun. They don't have to be yeah. like you said, like, uh, be real rivals. Okay, so you're the co host of Plan Powered People podcast. I with your good friend and business partner, Michelle. Do you know which of your episodes is the most downloaded? Uh, so you can either tell us that or what is a memorable uh, episode that you had, like if a certain guest stood out? Okay. this is. I was just talking about this. So my friend, uh, Catherine, she is the plant-based RD on Instagram. She came on and did a simple Q&A with us. And that's our most downloaded podcast episode. She's fantastic. She's really down to earth and um, appro- makes it approachable. And then my favorite episode, my favorite episode is a little bit unconventional and it is about going number two. And it was, it was with uh, Dr. Will Bolsowitz from the fiber, uh, from the fiber fueled cookbook and the fiber fueled book. And we talked all about what it's like to eat fiber and what it should feel like and be like to go number two. Oh my goodness. That's such a ooh, topic. <laughs> But it is so important because everyone does it. Um, Okay, that's so funny. Um, Tell us more (laughs) about Michelle. So she is kind of the creator of the world world of vegan, and Mm -hmm. she's. You guys have um, worked together so closely on several projects and the podcast. Tell us how that relationship, that friendship, developed, and uh, and also about just a little bit more about your podcast. I think this is a funny story because I really liked Michelle immediately. We were in the animal welfare nonprofit space together, and she is someone who just radiates kindness and compassion, and she's like a glowing orb 
That's what she's like while mm. walking through a room. <laughs> and I wanted to be friends with her. I said, hey, Michelle. She lived um, about an hour and a half away from me at the time. I said, hey, Michelle. Uh, this was in, a, in an email. I would like to go to dinner sometime if you're ever interested. And she said, you know, I just started World of Vegan and I'm really focused. And unfortunately, I don't have time. And I said, oh, okay. Uh, I went back and I asked her, maybe we can create content together for her new website. And we did. And it, it led us to being really close friends. We started off as colleagues, but now I consider her my family. And she has grown an impressive platform. Uh, her handle is at vegan and she's at worldofvegan.com. And she's really, really a fantastic, mission-driven, kind person. And she really highlights also just veganism throughout the world. So if you're traveling, mm -hmm. there's just so much great content there. We only have Plant Powered People podcast. And that podcast is all about... Um, it first started off as helping people who had everyday struggles overcome those obstacles. And we would bring on everyday people who had obstacles like they work at a steakhouse, but they want to be vegan. It's possible. Or they're very active in their church community and it's not accommodating to them. How do they go about that or not even church, but your community of any kind and make it work for you. So that's how it started. And then the pandemic changed it a little bit because we couldn't record together. And we started bringing in a mixture of people who are experts and also everyday people. Ah, uh, I know. And I saw that you recently had Dan Butner on the show. And I was just like, yeah. oh, my God, you know, I blue zone living, and you have such great topics and the dynamics between both of you, the dynamics is uh, wonderful. Where do you record? Is it in your home? Or do you guys have a studio? We each record from our, our houses. And that is, as you know, a huge challenge. I have a dog. She has a baby. It's it's not always pretty, but we get it done. <laughs> <laughs> I know my little dog finally learned how to sit in the background. He just learned that I'm busy. Um, but Aww. when he was a puppy... Well, we got him when he was five months, but that was tricky early on. He would bark and move around and I'm like, oh my God, and I was stressed. And now that we have this beautiful routine, um, this has been so wonderful getting to know you, Tony. I'm wondering, is there anything else that you'd like to share with my listeners? I appreciate you sharing your platform with me and sharing your story and being vulnerable. And I hope to continue getting to know you. And uh, for anyone interested in my new book, they can find it at plantbasedonabudgetcookbook.com. It's called Quick and Plant Based on a Budget Quick and Easy, and it's out March 7th. And uh, I, I just appreciate your work. So thank you. Thank you. And you are a real inspiration. And I really mean that. I... <laughs> There's so much about you that um, I just think you're brilliant. It's incredible what you've done. You know, a lot of times you hear of other people being self-made. You literally <laughs> created all of this and manifested all of this. Um, sure, collaborations um, help and all of that, but it's amazing what you've been able to do with plant-based on a budget, um, your business, your blogs. And did I hear that you have a separate blog, another blog on top of um, plant-based on a budget? I do. It's called Food Sharing Vegan, and it's not budget focused. Okay. All right. And so we have all your information. We will include the links in the show notes. And Tony, it's been wonderful having this conversation with you. Thank you for being on the show. 
Thank you for having me. In this episode, Tony shared her journey to a healthier lifestyle and how she turned her passion into a successful business. Tony stressed the importance of budgeting your time and money while eating plant-based foods and also provided tips and resources for those who are new to cooking. With the upcoming launch of her new book, Plant-Based on a Budget, Quick and Easy, there has never been a better time to learn how to eat healthy on a budget. So be sure to check it out and let us know what you think in the comments. Until next time, happy and healthy eating. You've been listening to the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions podcast with your host, Maya Acosta. If you've enjoyed this podcast, do us a favor and share with one friend who can benefit from this episode. Feel free to leave an honest review as well at ratethispodcast.com forward slash HLS. This helps us to spread our message. And as always, thank you for being a listener.